Welcome to episode 29 of the Travelling Wellness Show. Kerwin Ray exploded onto social media a few years back now with the promise of helping other people grow their existing and often struggling businesses into something special. The promise drew people from all over the world to examine the course material for themselves and to see if Kerwin could be the leader that they were looking for. And as the free one-day events filled up very fast, as did the three- and five-day business strategy programs, to the point of mass following. What supporters of Kerwin would find, however, is that behind the brand lies a very wise and very experienced leader indeed. A man who has battled both in the trenches of life and in business, and is willing to share the whole story in an effort to fast-track life's successes for you. From ADD and dyslexia to several near-death experiences, Kerwin Ray draws upon all life's apparent flaws in order to bring a different experience, both for his devoted K2 members and also just for you and I. Kerwin acknowledges that a business is simply an extension of oneself and purposely takes his followers on a deep journey of self-discovery. Now, sure, there's the expected business marketing and strategizing and work rate efficiencies and all that stuff that anyone would expect from a high-level coaching course, but there's also a heap of unexpected hand-holding, counseling, and sometimes very necessary truths which are ultimately required for your business progression. Funny that. And so what does a podcast with Kerwin look like? Well, frankly, it's insightful, raw, and honest. As you will hear, no subject is off limits and Kerwin is completely comfortable in his own exposure in an effort to connect with the flaws that we all feel. Kerwin is a definite leader rather than a boss. He asks nothing of those around him that he does not absolutely demand of himself. Now Kerwin's been a mate of mine for a few years now and I can attest to the level of authenticity which he displays. The guy you see on stage is the very same guy that anybody shares personal time with. His obsession and personal mastery echoes throughout the brand which he drives and is the reason why his famed K2 Elite course has grown exponentially in the past few years. The K-Man, as he is known, will continue to inspire with his no-bullshit, emotive presence, and by tackling the core weaknesses, blocking the flow of success in the lives of so many. Kerwin will also continue to lift the lid on the uncomfortable subjects that so many people don't want to face, and will lead those who are fearless enough to follow. Kerwin, you're a man of the people and an insanely dedicated creature to the cause. Stay inspired and keep inspiring, my brother. We all love you. The Travelling Wellness Show is made possible thanks to Cell Charge, the world's most potent fulvic mineral and the number one choice of people just like Kerwin who demand the best from their bodies. To improve your life, go to cellcharge.com.au. Please enjoy Mr. Kerwin Ray. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. All right, welcome everyone to this special episode of the Travelling Wellness Show. I am Shannon Brenton, your host, 
And today I am deep in the bowels. <laughs> and I do mean the bowels because this place is enormous. It's actually Kerwin's office, but uh, we're deep in the bowels of uh, his suite here. His awesome new place in, uh, in Piermont, which is just phenomenal. I-, I never start a show off by giving someone a compliment before I've uh, introduced him, <laughs> Kerwin, but fuck me. I came here with a headache. And uh, seriously, I- I've just been walking around here like a kid in a candy store. This place is mint. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. The bowels, yeah, there's a bit of a stench to it. But, uh, <laughs> mate, you know, it's crazy because there was literally about two years worth of intent that went into this space. Maybe three, actually, when I think about how long we're at the last space. Yep. Uh, even all the graffiti on the wall and the graffiti that's coming. Like, there's been a lot of intention, a lot of very deliberate planning. Uh, and to f- see it finally come to fruition, yeah, it's pretty special. Mate, I can see that. Behind your head right now in your office, you've got, you know, basically a, a purpose and a mission statement, what you want to do. My creed. Over there on the wall on the outside. I've taken photos of this for you guys. So it'll be on the webpage, travelingwellnessshow.com under episode 29. Um, yeah, Kerwin's big mission to Mars, which is serious. You know, yeah, your picture of you mile, and your son mission. there and yeah. what you want to achieve and the dirty big mountain that K2ers are sticking their uh, <laughs> their flag on. It, uh, yeah, this place is monumental. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get back to the intro because yeah. I've completely just stuffed Don't leave it. Out but, the gym. Uh, We've got an epic gym No, no, as well. We'll, we'll talk about the gym. But uh, guys, look, I'm with Kerwin Ray, obviously. Uh, Kerwin's a good friend of mine. He's a very good business mentor of mine and um, really responsible for the reason why I now travel the country speaking with people. So um, thank you for that, Kerwin. You've been most instrumental in in my um, my journey, which is wonderful. Um, what I will say to you guys, though, is most people know Kerwin based upon what he portrays on social media. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that that portrayal is extremely authentic. Uh, and you don't get the chance to say that on social media very often. You no, know? you don't. Not on Instagram, especially, no. But, you know, people are showing you what they want you to see. and uh, But a lot of you guys have seen Kerwin's Hey Kerwin's, his rants, uh, you know, new podcast coming out. You, you've seen a lot of his videos. And... For a lot of you guys who are lucky, you've been to some of his business mastery events. You know, his Fast Growth Summits, the Nissi three-day event, Nail It and Scale It. Um, I've been fortunate to be part of Kerwin's K2 group, which is his uh, business mastery mastermind, uh, where like-minded uh, entrepreneurs and people trying to succeed in their own private businesses get together and try to learn from the best and learn you know, the social strategies and the upcoming changes in the business dynamic that can help to make them successful. Um, What's interesting for me, Kerwin, though, is getting back to that authenticity. It's funny that, uh, you know, I watch a lot of your stuff, even though I know you personally and, and intimately, but I watch it and it's funny how you tend to cover off a lot of the the large subjects. You know, it's less about, you know, hey, this is what you do to, you know, get followers on Instagram. And it's more about, you know, um, everything is means fuck all without purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how fear is either stopping you or how you can use fear to drive you. You cover a lot of those large things. Um, plus, you're covering off a lot of the stuff around, you know, um, personality traits. So, you know, dealing with narcissism, um, you know, dealing with, um, you know, a, uh, an, an introverted um, type of personality trait. It's interesting for me and I'm sure many others that a lot of this stuff, a lot of this pain and dysfunction that you speak about are actually things you've felt yourself in your life, uh, if not now, currently, certainly in your past. Mate, you know, the re- people are saying to me, how, and again, I don't want to sound um, like a wanker when I say this because it's certainly not intended. Like People say, how do you know so much about stuff? And I just go, well, once upon a time, I was a very... You know, very fucked up, very insecure, very uh, anxious, um, wound up individual, you know. And the reason I've learnt as much as I have now in a way that I can share with others is I've just, I've always learnt with a desire to apply, but also to be able to teach. You know, I love to share. I've always been someone that loves to share things. You know, if I find something that works for me in anything, 
you know, whether it be um, when on, on a personal basis or even on Instagram, you know, I, I, I like to share that information. But everything has been birthed as a result of, you know, the, the content on fear. It's all it's all been birthed as a result of my massive... Of feeling massive, it, living oh, it. Enormous, you know, my content on, on anxiety. It's all been birthed as a result of me dealing with massive anxiety, my content around ADHD, my content around addiction. You know, it's all been birthed from from actual real experience. You know, I'm not a textbook guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm an experiential guy and I'm an experiential learner. Like I like to learn from experience and, you know, translate those experiences into for others to be able to, you know, perhaps take something from it as well. There's a saying which says we teach what we most need to learn. Bingo. Yeah. What are you, what are you learning now? What's in, coming up for you now? In this moment right yeah. now? Yeah. Look, you know, it's a really interesting one. Um, our brand is, a, is really at a, um, it's, it's kind of at a place it's never been been before. Like, you know, a lot of people say, oh my God, you know, it's almost you're this overnight success. And what they don't realize, I've been doing this for 18 fucking years. Mm. You know, buying, building, selling business for about 20, but 18 years I've been in the throes of, you know, the education side, the consulting side. But it's only really been in the last two years, two and a half years where we're, oh, we've started to get noticed because our videos have been seen and so what's really been interesting is there's been a transformation in brand there's been a transformation in team there's been a transformation in every aspect of the business and even as little as only a couple of weeks ago i got the team have been pushing it for they've had this agenda for almost two years to get me a stylist yeah you know, to actually get me wearing different clothes and not different clothes just <laughs> sounds less, like my mother <laughs> <laughs> just clothes that make me less of look like a bum because yeah. i literally had you know up until a couple of weeks ago i had five pairs of the same jeans maybe in different colors i had 10 pairs of the same shirts in different yeah. colors you know 15 pairs of the same pair of underwear all in the same color yeah i'll just put my thongs up when you <laughs> so we're in good company here yeah. and um you know they were like look you know the brand's kind of going somewhere now you need to really it's look, not. It's you not. Need, you need can, to look professional now. Well, no, it's not that you need, don't need to wear jeans and a t-shirt. You just have to wear jeans and a t-shirt that go together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Maybe iron them from time Maybe to time. Maybe iron them from time to time. And so you know, got myself a stylist, and we had to do a photo shoot for some of the projects we've got coming up. Um, and I've been also at the very same time transforming my personal, uh, my, my body, mm. you know, because and a lot of people say, oh, my God, you know, you've transformed so much. But a lot of people don't realize, you know, I was a competitive athlete until the age of like 24. And I was in a fucking tip-top condition until the age of 24. And then and then there was basically like 18 years where I just let it go to shit mm. uh, for the most part. That is you though, isn't it? And that falls in with the Asperger's, the ADD. You're an all or nothing kind of dude, right? I'm very obsessive. I'm yep. a very obsessive personality. But to answer your question, like with the transformation in the brand, the transformation in everything, the clothing, the body and everything else, it's it's been interesting to see my relationship with ego. Like my relationship mm. with ego has been very different. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a relationship that I've been growing for a very long time. Uh, but the relationship with ego, the relationship with humility and, and just seeing how humility just plays such a really important role in my life. Yes. And whenever I get off humility, whenever I get into a thread where I start, you know, buying any of the hype whatsoever, I just f don't feel good. Mm. I don't feel I don't feel myself. I don't feel connected. Uh, and it's been interesting because there's been a couple of moments and this really came. It's going to be interesting with coffee. Fucking coffee, right? Uh, I started. How fucked is it? Seriously, mate, mate it's not good. <laughs> like I know there are some personality people say, "Oh, my biology works." Well. I'm like, you know what? Not for me. I <laughs> do they I, speak retarded like that they, when they oh, say, "Oh, <laughs> lazy tiger." But I literally, I've, I, I, I uh, it was about nine weeks ago. I started this experiment. I'm gonna go. You know what? Because I, I cut out sugar, cut out alcohol. Like I, I'm, 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 no, I'm like a fucking monk, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am totally committed to my business, my purpose, and my son. Like that is all I am throwing myself into in my life right now. And so I was like, you know, I, I just want to try a bit of something so I, thought, I had a coffee before a workout one day and i was like holy shit i actually did a couple extra reps i'm a bit stronger mm. so i did this six-week experiment with coffee but what i 
didn't realize is over those six weeks, it's you know it's psychoactive, right? Same, it's in the same class of drugs as dexamphetamines that's and amphetamines. Right. So, yeah. you know, and as that's I know, why we love it. That's why everybody <laughs> loves it, right? But what I know with myself, with my history with drugs and drug abuse, especially in the space of amphetamine, you know, dr- drugs take me away from my my center. Mm. Uh, alcohol takes me away from my center. You know, and cannabis and for anything that's of a stimulant, anything that's of a mind-altering substance. Um, you know, it takes me away from my center. And so it was during this period where all these things are happening, you know, the body's transforming, the business transforming, um, style's transforming, and I'm drinking coffee and I was just like, okay, shit doesn't feel right. Shit is not feeling right by a line. And so I really started to explore, okay, am I getting enough sleep? Um, How many were you having a day? Half a shot to a, qu- a quarter to a You're half joking. a shot. So no, like no. one coffee most. No, not even. Like I was going, so I was 50 milligrams of caffeine. If that. Mm. Um, and I just discovered that the more co- by having coffee in my system, I was becoming, humility was de- becoming a little less in my presence and the ego was showing up a little bit more. And, wow. I, and I'm talking fractional, mm. but enough to a level where not anyone, I didn't have anyone notice except for there was a couple of people on social, but they just saw the fitness content and called me out on that. But it was at the timing. <laughs> it was like, they called me out on the fitness content. I'm like, well, the timing couldn't be better because I'm actually starting to feel, you know, a little less humil- hum- humble than I have in the past. Yeah. Uh, so I cut the coffee out, and I'm, you know, back on track with the meditation, and uh, but yeah. So right now, I feel like I'm on this path of humility, like I really am. And that's I, the learning, learning more about you, learning your more place in the me, world, self awareness, my place in the world, but also remembering that. And this has been a key learning for the last twenty years. Money doesn't define me, um, yeah. and it doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank. I still want to be me. I want to be Kerwin. I want to be Cayman. I want to be authentic. I want to be raw. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot about the swearing now. I've got a four and a quarter year old who loves to say everything that daddy does. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he loves to watch all my videos. So, fuck, you know, literally, I shouldn't even say that because he's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> but um, so humility for me is just... Do yeah, as I say, not as I do. Exactly. <laughs> but that's not working very well right now. Um, he's very congruent. Wait till he's 14. Oh, Might mate, work there either. Kid, this kid, like right now he's on this leadership path. He wants to be a leader. Yeah. We're watching um, um, uh, The Nut Job 2, this, this, this cartoon the other night. And um, their their home blows up, and these these little squirrels and fucking animals they all have to find a new home. And the leader of the pack was this kind of rebellious, you know, uh, bum of a leader that wasn't really a leader. Was just kind of looking for the easy way in life. And you know, this girl, this little girl squirrel, goes up to him and goes, "Oh, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that." And she's trying to create a call to arms. And he turns to me, looks me dead in the eye, and goes, "Daddy, he needs to be a leader, doesn't he?" <laughs> He's four and a quarter. That's so, cool. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So yeah, long long story short, but uh, humility me for me is I just want to be me no matter what's going on around me. Yeah, nice. Your videos are very evident of that, I find. And, and I'm, I don't doubt, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't doubt you probably watch them back sometimes as almost a, re- a reminder to oneself. Absolutely. What's going them, on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like a journal. Yeah. Interesting um, for me to actually look at that and, uh, and find that I've done your K2 group. Uh, I know you know your shit with business, but it's uh, it's an interesting agenda when you find that the leader of a business support group, mastermind group, is as involved and as excited about the actual plight of one's wellness mm. as they are one's business. Tell us about that that distinction between a business being an extension of oneself. Look, I've, I've always been into wellness, um, although it hasn't necessarily been demonstrated on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by wellness, I've always been into energy. Like I'm a high energy guy. I'm someone that has an enormous amount of energy. But one of the things that I realize with business, and you know, you, you see this with yourself, not just with athletes. If you want to be an elite level athlete, you know, if you want to be an elite level soldier, if you want to be an elite level business person, you know, if you want to perform at an elite level, you do, do have the requirement to have significant 
amounts of energy. And if you want to be better than the next guy, then you want to have more energy than the next guy. Yeah. You know, and you want to have more clarity than the next guy. And you want to have more more sharp, more wits. You just want to fucking kill the next guy. You just, yeah. well, <laughs> no, I like the next guy because he keeps me sharp. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and to me, I say this, you know, I don't compete with anyone except for myself. And damn, I, and I'm, I'll be lucky if I ever beat me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I am the ultimate competitor, but with self... So, um, you know, energy is, is, is critical. And when you look at K2, it's interesting how it manifests because the top three values of K2 are, are quite interesting. Number one is actually uh, relationships. You know, we're really, really solid on relationships. You know, building relationship first with self, mm. then with others, support group, then with clients, you know, team members. Because without solid relationships, we don't have connection. And we're, we're mammals and we thrive. A lot of our biology is activated based on the levels of connection that we have, the healthy biology especially. Mm. You know, the second value is health because, you know, without health, you know, what do you got? What have you got? Yeah. And, you know, the old saying is, you know, people spend their whole life chasing money until they have it and then they spend all their money chasing health Mm. until they don't. Mm. Uh, And so for me, you know, I've had seven near death experiences and some of them have been health related, some have just been accidents. Uh, And so I've had a number of wake up calls that have really brought me to the importance of just being health conscious. Uh, But I've also seen a lot of people in business who have made a lot of money and literally, you know, got them put themselves in a situation where they're finally yeah, for what consider themselves a success yeah but for what because they're now you know on a dialysis machine or That's they've right. now got you know prostate cancer or, or or even worse pancreatic cancer yeah um and 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 everything is falling apart so for our listeners that don't know about your history haven't seen you at a live event or aren't k2 members give people a bit of a rundown about some of the grief you've been through because seriously you've been challenged physically on fronts yeah. Pe- people at 90 aren't challenged on you know look, so. I've, uh, look I've got three brain injuries I've got a physical disability uh, I've got ADHD and dyslexia uh, look I had my first near-death experience when I was uh, 15 I fell over in a broken I had a bottle in my hand and I fell over while I was chasing a mob of ruse <laughs> as you fucking do in Townsville <laughs> Townsville yeah. um, and I cut all my nerves all my tendons main artery you know 13 and a half hours of microsurgery two blood transfusions uh, woke up the next morning this was 13 days, the 13th day after my 15th birthday. My mum was in Hong Kong at the time because she'd won a trip to Hong Kong through her job. Uh, so I was by, actually by myself. And yeah. the doctor came in and he stood over my bed and he said, hey kid, I hate to be the one that's tell this to you, but you're gonna end up with a hand that looks something like a claw uh, and you're gonna need physical therapy for the rest of your life. Um, but don't you worry, you'll be eligible for disability pension because you will be disabled. It's good to know. Mate, there's, every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, mate, you know, 15-year-old right-handed boy. <laughs> easy tiger. The claw could come the in claw good, could mate. come in handy. Yeah. But at this stage, what a lot of people don't need to, need to understand, I, I failed every subject from year one to year 12. I'm in year nine. Year nine? Year eight, year nine. I'm 15, yep. right? Year eight and year nine. Uh, just about going to year 10. And I've failed every subject. So I thought the only thing I'm going to be good for in this life is as a professional athlete. And then I'm told I'm going to be disabled. And I was just like, my whole world was turned upside down. I had mm. to take nine months off school full time just to do rehab. Because where I lived was in a semi-rural area. And it was like an hour and a half in the bus to the hospital, hour and a half home, and then an hour and a half to two hour on rehab Monday through. It was supposed to be Monday through Thursday, but I used to ask for more. So I'd go in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not Sunday. I'd go Monday through Saturday. Most weeks. So ask for more because you wanted to get better now, get yeah? Better. And mate, I, I can even tell you, like this, and this is the quality, not just of the, the, the medical uh, supervision I had, but also the, the physiotherapy supervision. Like I remember they used to get you to do basic things like they'd put a piece of uh, this soft wax plasticine on the table and you'd have to pinch it like this, right? And so I'm basically just putting my fingers together. And I, 
remember for like the first nine, you know, oh gosh, no, maybe six months, I would like, I'd just be sitting there for like an hour just trying to pinch my first finger together. Mm. And I can recall at least two instances where the lady came up to me and I've got tears rolling down my face. Like I'm, fuck, I'm just like putting everything into it. She puts it, and th- these girls, they could see how much I was putting into it. And they felt, their hearts used to break every day because I'd rock up and they go, oh, here you go. Here, the poor kid's giving it a shot. But this is where the, the crocs were. She put a hand on my shoulder and she said, just let it go, son. It's not coming back. She's, and she was, a, she was a physical therapist, right? Not a very good one. Well. Or maybe. That, maybe that was maybe what that got was you going. Yeah. Well, you know what? She said to me what was required by the, by the source, by the universe, yeah. to tell me what I needed to hear in that moment, to yes. say, fuck you, yeah. uh, and try that little bit harder. You know, 12 months later, I sat down with the doctor, showed him what I could do with my hand, and he said it was medically impossible. Uh, we then got into a heated debate about medical ethics and... Um, yeah, that was the very first experience that I had in overcoming what was considered to be, you know, an impossible obstacle. And that, by the way, is the foundational experience of my life. That is the life, that is the experience that everything comes. But like, whenever the shit's going wrong, I always go back to that experience. And go, you know, you ain't nothing. Yeah, you got nothing on this. Yeah, yeah. And it's just my baseline equalizer. You just spoke about source. Yes, source energy, the universe. The universe. Tell me about your relationship with it. Look, I grew up in a um, very spiritual, very religious environment. I've been through the ringer. Uh, we were born into Catholicism, the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. We then migrated uh, into Mahakari, which is a form of a cult. Uh, we then migrated into um, the United Church, which is an extreme form of Christianity, uh, or quite an, you know, and ext- and, 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 and let's just call it what it is. And we then converted into Buddhism. And you know, I say to people now, I'm no longer religious, just uh, very fucking confused. Um, <laughs> but what all I think of a lot of us are. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But, uh, and a lot of people, you know, like I've got some family members that went through what I did and they're very uh, anti-religion. And I'm not anti-religion. I think religion is great. I, th- I think that there's a balance to everything. And that yeah. the upside of religion was it introduced me to a philosophy, a, a range of personal development um, and a community that were very healthy, very supportive. But on the you know on the flip side of that, you know more people have died through religious war than any other form of conflict. So mm. th- there's definitely a balance there. Um, but I knew very early on because I was born into a into a household, and my parents split when I was like six months. And my mother, you know, she brought us up single mum on a pension for most of it. She did have some entrepreneurial um, um, afflictions at some point, but uh, she was. She just written a book. She's just written a book. Go ahead, love keys. Um, but she's also clairvoyant and psychic. So yeah. you know, growing up in an environment where you know, where you've got exposure to religion, you've got exposure to higher power, you've got exposure to clairvoyancy uh, and mysticism in many ways. Um, you know, it really does alter your perspective. Like I was taught how to heal with my hands from as early as I can remember. Wow. And I wasn't taught Reiki. I was just taught your hands can heal. And yeah. if you channel energy through your hands, you can heal things. Mm. Um, you know, my son, he now, he hurts himself or I, if I've hurt myself or if this, like this morning, it was hilarious. He accidentally kicks me in the balls in bed. <laughs> you know, he, he rubs his hands and he puts them up. I'm like, son, okay, just settle down. But he, you know, I hurt myself. He, he's like, he's trying to do Get a your hands up my balls, son. Well, he did, he's trying to do, he did do a healing. He's like, he knows how to heal because he just knows. Oh, yeah. okay, if you hurt yourself, just cute. use your hands to heal. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've had this relationship, but especially, you know, also with um, enjoying the, the, the gifts of addiction, um, you know, one of those gifts, you know, people often look at addiction as a spiritual disease. And I think in many ways I can understand that and I can mm. relate to that. Um, but there's a there's an element of trust and faith that's required to overcome any massive obstacle. Um, and I think when I overcome the obstacle of, of, of disability when I was younger, uh, I think what I was really relying on was just uh, will. 
yeah. like an enormous amount of will. I don't know if I had a lot of faith at that point. I, th- I was pretty angry. Uh, but you know, when I started overcoming my first addiction when I was 19, there was a lot of a lot of faith. And you know, I, I've revisited addiction a couple of times in my lifetime. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of faith that's required to just go surrender and go. You know what? I just have to surrender right now in this moment and just trust that everything will be okay. Mm. Uh, so my look, and I I channel a lot, and a, a lot of people don't probably don't realize that. Like when I'm on stage, uh, I actually you know I, I surrender what I'm I'm not trying to think of anything to say. I just allow things to come through me, and oftentimes, you know, I just channel information and it comes. Um, especially after my stroke, I had my, oh god, after I had my stroke. Um, How old were you when you had your stroke? Thirty four. Mm. Yeah. Um, and um, just briefly on that, like, you know, that was the most incredible experience. Like, oh, my God, it was blissful. Um, you know, I was, go- I was out for a good 18 minutes, 19 minutes. Um, felt like I was out for like 30 seconds. Um, I'll give you the short version. I wasn't actually um, – I, I literally had this experience, and, and it's a long experience. It'll take the whole podcast if I told you blow by blow. But I'll basically just say uh, whilst I was unconscious, I got, I got to talk to Creator. Uh, and it's a little bit strange to say that, and I even move in my seat as I as I mention it because yeah, why does uh, it make you uncomfortable? Um, because of the way others will take it, yeah. No, look, I think it's maybe slightly, maybe slightly, and um, don't go to that ego now. No, then that's, <laughs> that's all it is. You know that discomfort. Just say it is, as it is, mate. Is all that it is. But uh, for me, I, I I literally got five minutes with you know I call it a five minutes with God. Mm, and that's I, a book right there. Right there, and I got to ask the biggest questions. The this biggest is interesting questions. because I've heard of uh, you know. Sorry to interrupt, but no, I've, I've heard of uh, near-death experiences, and uh, I've not. Yeah. I, I've not ever heard anyone say that anything was there. You're having a five-minute conversation with God. Yep. What were your questions? Well, mate, they were big questions. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, what is the purpose of, of life? Yeah. Uh, they were big, 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 juicy questions. Was uh, there an answer? Uh, there were downloads, and like I, I couldn't even tell you every question that I asked. All I could tell you is every question I asked, I was given the answer in a second, and yeah. I was just like, "Fuck, that makes so much sense." Um, and then when I woke up, I completely forgot the whole conversation. And it was I was told by the doctors I wouldn't be working for at least twelve months or more. They said because I had fifteen second memory, I had speech problems, like a fish. Mate, <laughs> I tell you what, I was I uh, I was hiding my Easter eggs, um, and I I was back on stage six weeks later. And I'd always leave 30 minutes of the first of, of every presentation. If I was doing like a 90-minute present, I'd always leave the, the first 30 minutes of a 90-minute presentation completely clean, and I wouldn't prepare anything. And I'd just go up there and I'd allow whatever to come through, come through, and come out. Yep. And all of a sudden, you know, six weeks later, I'm, I'm up at the back. I can't even remember what the presentation's about. I can't even remember my fucking slides. I'm, my memory is this bad. Like it is so fucking bad. Um, and I just was like, surrender, 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 surrender. Have faith. Just trust. And I got up there. Um, and I, I was supposed to do 30 minutes of pre-frame and then I was supposed to do a 60-minute presentation on joint ventures. I did an hour and a half of content on the on how we tune in and how we create. And this information that came through me, I'm like, I'm sitting there spitting this info. And Is I'm like, someone recording this? <laughs> not only was it not recorded, but I'm oh, spitting this no. information out and I'm drawing these diagrams and literally as it's coming through me, I'm going, I'm literally saying to myself, Kerwin, where the fuck is this coming from? Mm. Because like, at that point, I didn't remember. I'd studied some quantum mechanics and, and, and particle physics at this point and obviously a lot of consciousness and spirituality. spirituality. But this had been brought together in a way that was like completely original and very unique. And I just I went to the back of the room, scribbled furiously in my little, um, uh, my little notebook and I did that for nine months. And in the nine months, I had this, bo- this wealth of inf- this book of content and I ended up calling it uh, Power to Create. The book's coming. I used to run it as a two-day program and it is the basis of you know, understanding how, how we create and the relationship that we have with source 
uh, and that how the stronger the relationship we have, the easier it is for us you know, to, to get into flow. And so for me, this stroke really gave me massive insights into how we create, how we manifest. And I don't, I'm not talking law of attraction. I'm talking, you know, the, the fundamentals of, you know, a lot of quantum mechanics, particle physics, uh, and, um, you know, not in a way that is quite woo-woo that people go, oh, the law of attraction, just, yeah. you know, draw Think your blinds. Think about it, it comes to you. Well, you know, that makes me fucking sick. You know, um, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to any any people who have pioneered per some forms of personal development that tell people if you just sit in your room and close your blinds and think about what you want, you'll get it. Because that's, um, I'm afraid, you know, there's, there's a, there are a lot of fundamentals that are mi- missing from that equation. And one of them is the requirement. Like work? Yeah, the requirement <laughs> for m- an enormous amount of work. In some cases, yeah. maybe not a lot. But what a lot of people don't realize is even the people that create enormous wealth through work, through using some forms of attraction, you know, they go, well, it was effortless. No, it's effortless when you do things that you love. Yeah, it's, you know, that's where it comes back to purpose and drive, when right? You're, when you're on, on purpose. You know, yeah. when you're doing something you hate, then that takes effort. Yeah. You know, and when someone looks at me and the amount of work that I do in the day, they go, fuck, I couldn't do that in a week. Mm. Okay, that's an enormous amount of effort. And I go, well, no, actually, it's effortless to me because this is what I'm here to do. Yeah, yeah. You speak a lot about connection. And mm. I just know from being with you personally, everything's about connection. Your relationship, you know, with your child, your relationship with your ex, your relationship with your staff, your relationship with me. It wouldn't matter who it was. For you, for you very connection-based. Tell us about your connection. And I don't even know the answer to this, but you've said a lot about mum and when I was young and whatever. Tell me about dad. Dad, um, dad's a, look, he's a good guy. My dad was, uh, is, was actually for a period of time there. And this is the ultimate, um, the, I was the ultimate breed. Um, my dad was one of the top economists in the world for a long time. He actually worked for the OECD in Paris for about eight years before coming back here. And he was um, the CEO of one of the, the number one um, economics firm in Australia for a very long time. Uh, so very smart man, very academic man, like very intelligent um, you know, he's, he's, he's up there. He's got a really, really quite a, quite a sharp mind, but just not someone who's very present in my earlier years. You know, the, the presence that my dad had and, you know, I don't say this to belittle him. I actually think he's a good guy. We just don't have a father son relationship. Yeah. And I don't say that in, in the hope that he would hear this and feel hurt. If anything, I, I, I still, I think he's a good guy You know, I can sit down and have a wine with him. We can have a meal with him. Uh, but I don't say have this father son affection towards him. Mm. You know, he, I used to see him every second weekend. I think one of the challenges that we had is I, I, my, my memories are that I remind him a lot of my mum. Uh, and so as a result, I didn't get as much connection, some of that masculine mm, connection as mm. perhaps I was seeking as a child. And so, um, you know, I, I think, and, that, and this is what I'm very grateful for. I'm so grateful for my dad being who he was because uh, this is going to be sounding really strange because although, you know, he then at the age of, I think I was, I was maybe eight or nine or whatever it was, he then left, went overseas and he was in the OEC in, in Paris for a about eight or nine years after that. And so I didn't see him a lot. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you poor kid, you know, you didn't, get, you didn't have a father figure. My mum was an incredible mum and father. You know, she was a mum and a dad. But the absence of father um, and created this void and voids breed values. And I, I was like, oh, you know, I always wanted mum just to meet a guy so I could finally have the dad that I always wanted. And that never yeah. happened. And I had one mate, you know, I had three very good friends. One mate whose dad was like the fucking Disneyland dad. You know, it was like high fives and fucking hot dogs. <laughs> uh, and I had another mate whose dad was like um, an, al- an abusive alcoholic who used to, in front of me, you know, on a Saturday night if I was having a sleepover, he would like get drunk. Like I'm talking dangerously drunk, pin him against the wall and I'm talking beat him with the open hand back and forth, back and forth to the point where he was black and blue. And then I had another mate whose dad was just average. And I was just like, I've, I've seen the whole spectrum. I was like, shit, I don't want that kind of dad. Shit, I'd love that kind of dad. And he, well, this dad's kind of, I was like, okay, I got to see the, the whole spectrum. And I remember from a very early age going, you know what, when I'm, when I'm a dad, 
this is the kind of dad I'm. And I literally started to architect the father I was going to be at about 12. Mm. Like I started designing, I, I call myself a designer dad, not because I wear fucking Gucci, but because I literally started designing how I was going to be as a father at the age of 12 based on the absence of what I wanted and what the, the, the desire for what I thought I needed at that point in my life. And now as a result of that, my dad and my mum both gave me the most incredible gifts of parenting that they could have given me because I'm now a product of that yeah. in an incredibly unusual, I arrived in an unusual way, but I'm now, and I don't joke when I say this, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm not kidding, I'm the fucking, I am the number one dad in the world. I'm, <laughs> I'm I don't know, you know, you're a pretty good dad as no, well. But, good, you, you can know, have it, mate. But I, I, I just, for me- He's got to stop swearing though, mate, for oh, that title. shivers, mate, let me tell you, <laughs> started right now. But I literally, this, you know, this, I have two purposes in life. One purpose is to help people mm. and the other purpose is to be the ultimate father. Yeah. Uh, and I think those go hand in hand and I just, like when, I, when I'm being a dad, it's just the most incredible, epic, uh, effortless. Oh, actually, no, I won't say it's effortless. It is, really, it is actually pretty hard. You know, in comparison to other things that I do, it's probably one of the more challenging things that I do. Yep. But I, I, I love it. And I'm very grateful for my dad for doing what he did and showing up as he was required to, to give me the experience that was needed to produce the father that I am today. So in between these two great wants of yours, one obviously to have a great business and help inspire others and help them be who they want to be and also be a shit hot dad, talk to us about that little wedge in the middle called time. How do you go with the management of all this? Because obviously, you know, like I'm looking around here, I know what your bills would be being in here. You yep. know, you've got a shitload of staff, you've got a lot to do. Um, you know, if that doesn't draw more fear, I'd be most surprised because it's all on the line now, right? It's much easier having a little business than yep. a big one. What, what do you do to actually separate and, and create that division where Noah time actually opens up? Look, it's pro- it's, it really is, it's planning. And pl- it's, when, when I say planning, because to me, planning is rooted in certain values. And the number one value of planning that needs to be expressed at a high level if you want to master anything yeah is prioritization yeah you know and i think the blessings that i've had is i've died nearly seven times probably eight if i count the last one <laughs> but I, i'm getting sick of fucking saying it because I, I don't even want to talk like so but i prioritize like i'm like a mofo yeah and so for me i i am efficient i like i am the one percent guy i'm constantly looking for the things that give me one percent extra productivity yeah and then i execute it that's why i can do more in a day than most people can do in a week and sometimes maybe even a month because i literally um i delegate every single thing that requires me to think about anything other than what I need to at the level that are based on the level of thinking that I can because to me to think about like for example to think about what I have to wear in the morning that's useless thought to me yeah you know and I don't want to sit there for five minutes and think about it so that's why you know I know exactly okay this shirt goes with these pants just pick those two things up yeah. and put them on you know so for me whether it come down to, to meal prep, when it comes down to clothing, when it comes down to washing myself, when it comes down to my exercise, when it comes down to meetings, like there's normally, if it wasn't for the fact that this is podcast day, I've got an egg timer on my desk. Yeah. And so when someone comes in, they get a five minute meeting. Like yeah. I'm, I've mastered five minute meetings because I value time so much. And so for me, when you know how to prioritize the most important commodity, which is time, when you realize how sacred this commodity is, you start to value it at a level that few people do. And as a result, you literally learn how to optimize efficiency at a level that very few people even get the opportunity to do like i feel no fear about any of the bills that i have in my overheads right now because i just have this faith that everything's going to be okay yeah but one of the things that i do know is that the, the what drives everything that you're seeing here right now is the, the planning that we taught you guys in k2 which mm. is evolving constantly 
is based on the ability to not only know what it is that you're here to do, but also to be able to know what you're trying to do in the next 10 years, but then reverse engineering the priorities that need to be completed every 12 months in order to get there and then being able to break those down on a weekly basis in the goals and then being able to break those goals down on a daily basis in the tasks. So if for me, you know, everything I do is filled with with, with purpose because every task is rooted in a, in, in, a pri- in a goal that was extracted from a priority, that was extracted from a mission, that was extracted from purpose. So every task I do is on purpose. Mm. And so for me, I have an enormous amount of fire rushing through me that gives me fuel to be able to attack the things that need to be done with a level of efficiency that by the time I get everything done, I'm gone. So if I can do, and think of it this way, if I can do more in a day than most people can do in a week, so I get a week's worth of productivity out of a day, which means I can leave here at four o'clock to go home and be with my son from four thirty until seven thirty, eight o'clock, and I can do that completely guilt-free. Yes, because I know how much I've worked between the hours of you know six eight from the moment I wake up between four thirty in the morning. Because I wake up at four thirty, and I normally work. You know, I'll normally wake up. I'll meditate for half an hour to forty-five minutes, sometimes or an hour, and then I'll work before my son wakes up. Then he wakes up, he comes in. Okay, I'll sometimes do a little meditation with him and then I get him ready for school. He gets off to school and then I'm, I'm in. And once he's at school, I'm in. I do what I have to do, but then as soon as it's Noah time, I'm out. Um, and that's it. It's, and it's got to be a line. It's got to be a very strong line. It's a very large thinking aspect, isn't it? You know, it's about like you talk about things like getting dressed, meal prep, blah, 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 blah. They're just like... 1%. Yeah, they're little tiny 1%. fragments, right? But for a lot of people, when you start looking at meal prep, this is the Travelling Wellness Show, so we should probably get onto a bit of wellness at some point. But when you start looking at meal prep, for a lot of people, that's, that's awkward. It's difficult. Oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. I haven't got the right materials, well, ingredients, you, you, whatever. You, you even look at the, my eating schedule. My eating schedule is based on efficiency. I yeah. only eat in a six-hour window, which means yep. I'm eating twice a day, yep. okay? Which means every other mofo that, uh, that that is out there is eating three times a day, sometimes four times a day. And if they're like hard hardcore trainers they may be eating six or seven times a day and i'm like you poor bastards yeah it becomes a job doesn't the it? amount of time that you're putting into thinking about what you're gonna eat preparing what you're gonna eat eating what you're gonna eat diet, like for me i eat, you know twice three times a day but i'll do it within a six hour window but i normally have a meal i'll have a meal an hour two hours later i have a shake and an hour two hours later i have my last meal and then i'm done so for those that don't know kerwin is a devout intermittent faster yeah. um to the point where he got me to come and lecture his k2 as last Absolutely. year on intermittent fasting um so do you choose intermittent fasting because of its health benefits or do you choose it preferably for just its work rate efficiency? I choose it because I am a fucking performance freak. Yeah. I'm a performance freak in every aspect of my life. Like I started fasting in 2003, but the fasting I was doing was seven to 10 days. Oh, no, you were going over to Thailand. I was going over to Thailand, yeah. lose my 10 kilos, come back, whack it back on. Yeah. Um, but the level of optimization I was getting from that was incredible. Uh, and then two and a half years ago, maybe a little bit more, I started dropping into the intermittent fasting schedule. You know, I started off with an eight-hour window and then I dropped it down to a six-hour window. And the energy that it gives... And I already have a lot of energy, but the energy that it gives me is ludicrous. The yeah. mental clarity that it gives me is ludicrous. The time efficiencies that it gives me is ludicrous. The health benefits... You know, I, I drop weight now without even having to try. It's yep. just ludicrous. Like, I honestly believe... Like, I could, I could literally open a business right now on anti-aging whereby my product is free and I could fucking smash every single mofo in the anti-aging market completely out of the out of the park with a product that is completely free just by getting people to convert to an intermittent fasting schedule. Yeah. You know, I've not only have I dropped weight, my uh, my fate like I've, I literally I've had, I have people all the time coming to dude, you look like 10 years younger. You look better, yeah. Yeah. And uh, all And that- how good is the nutritional flexibility though? That's that's the kicker, right? Like to be able to look good, feel good, like lose weight easy, put muscle on whatever it is you're after. That's all well and good to be able to get up and go 
I don't have to worry about meal one. Yes. You know, I can just pull on those jeans and that matching shirt of yours, <laughs> get the fuck to the office and get some work done. Yeah. That's the big kicker, isn't it? Yeah. You know, massive amounts of efficiency just through being flexible with your food. But there's also some emotional efficiency in there as well. And I learned this through fasting when I was doing the seven to 10 days. Because when you, whenever you remove a substance that you rely on to suppress an emotion, yeah. that emotion won't come up. Uh, and whenever you remove it, that emotion comes up and then you've got an opportunity to work on it and deal on it, deal with it. And I think one of the reasons people avoid fasting or even intermittent fasting is because they hate the feeling of hunger, mm. but also the emotions that come with it. And for me, there's an enormous amount of efficiency in dealing with your shit because yes. when you deal with your shit, you become better. So tell us some of the emotions that you were maybe suppressing with caffeine or whatever foods it was. What, what sort of caffeine, things were so you much. suppressing? Caffeine was more recreational. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, no, it wasn't recreational. It was more like performance. I was trying to do that because I was working out harder, but it just had, uh, you know, uh, ulterior motives. Look, for me, when I oh, now you're taking me back because I've I literally started work. I've I'm a sugar. I'm I'm a, still a current sugar addict um, <laughs> that has relapses from time to time. Yeah, but like I did the the bulk of my emotional work from fasting was done probably between 2005 2009. And when I go back to it now, a lot of it was around um, loneliness and abandonment. Yeah. Uh, and so whenever I felt lonely or abandoned, I'd eat really poor food. Yeah. Um, and at that period of time, well, actually it wasn't even in that period of time in my life, in the periods of time where that developed, which is in my younger years when I was bodybuilding, because mm. I, I was like the ultimate bodybuilder who used to like cheat behind closed doors. You know, I'd go and I'd, because I was, Again, as it all looked good on paper, though, right? Mate, I looked fantastic. But, you know, all through high school, I was training six days a week. I never went to the parties. I never went out with my mates because I was training the next day. And so yep. I, was, I had a, a lot of a lot of loneliness. And so my way of dealing with that, it was, you know, I'd go and lock myself in a, you know, in a cupboard and eat a fucking packet of Tim Tams. Mm. I wouldn't go and throw it up, but I'd binge eat on just shit food. Um, and that was my way of feeling better. And, um, you know, I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm probably my trainer now, if you heard this, would probably be understanding why I wasn't as lean as what I could have been at comp time. Um, and so, you know, I did that a lot. And not only was I doing that on, you know, not only was I doing it when I was bodybuilding, I was doing that when I was younger as well. Because when I was younger, even when I was younger, I, I just grew up being different, mate. I've always been different. You know, when I used to go to school, kids would tease me for being weird, for being different. And I'd come home and God bless my mum. She'd always say, Kerwin, you're not different, you're special. And that's what makes you great. Uh, and one day you will do great things. And, you know, she really did help shape a psychology that, it, you know, that a lot of us are seeing today. And so, you know, even back when I was young, I used to go home and I'd sneak in into the cupboard when I was younger and I'd grab packets of cake mix and you know, I'd mix cake mix with butter and milk. And, mate, I should have been, I should have been fucking tubby two-ton. So where did the awareness come around for you that when I do this act of eating these foods, I'm actually suppressing emotions? That uh, came probably in I'm feeling lonely because it's, it's nothing that a man generally wants to have to well, A, accept or B, deal with most of the time. It was actually during a colonic. Okay. It was during a colonic. So um, you had a hose up your ass? I had a hose up yeah. my ass. I'm in Thailand. <laughs> I'm not eating. I'm in the most, I'm in the, one of the food, food meccas of the world and I'm not eating and I've got a hose up my butt um, and I, I had the, the equivalent of a, of a colonic breakthrough. You know, I had been, um, you know, I think I was on like day day seven or eight of a 10-day fast. Uh, I'm laying on, a, on this plank of wood, you know, in this little hut. And all of a sudden, I had this massive pain in my gut, which would happen when you're just about to pass something, right? Yeah. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like going, oh. And so I'm doing the far out. I just had the vision as well. I'm going, this, oh, I, could, <laughs> I need this shit. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, 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 it's emotional pain. Like when you've got, uh. when you're passing on a colonic, you'll have pain will come up and you'll be like, fuck, this is bad. I need to get out of here right now. And it's not, oh, I need to do a poo. It's like, yeah. this feels I uncomfortable. Need to leave. I need yeah. to leave. Like this is emotional. Like I've, cri- I've lost count of how many times I've cried during a colonic. It sounds it's this is great, isn't it? The crying game, and um, this pain comes up, and I felt this enormous like, oh my god, I need to get out of here. And all of a sudden, I just had this flash of this memory where I'd been, I was on my second hot dog, I was drinking a strawberry milk, I was having an argument with a girl I was dating at the time. I was in the security industry. At, the memory was from when I was in the security industry. Second hot dog, liters strawberry of milk, and I'm on the side of the road having this massive argument. It was so such a ferocious argument, non-physical, verbally verbally abusive argument that the police pulled over, uh, and they actually had to like come in and just calm things down. And then as that happened, that memory came back to me. I just passed this thing that came through me that looked like an alien. Um, and for those of you who don't know, you know, are interested, you know, go and Google mucoid plaque, which is essentially. Mm the plaque that hardens on the intestinal walls. They do look like aliens, don't they? It does, you know, and it's it, it came through me. And after it came through me, I just felt this enormous wave of relief. I had tears streaming out of my, 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 my eyes. And I was literally sitting there like huffing and puffing on this plank of wood in this hut in the middle of a fucking island in the middle of nowhere. Just going, I've, and I literally felt like I'd been hit by a truck. And I slept that night like a baby. And it was at that point I started to realize that, you know, when we experience emotion, when we suppress it with shit food, you know, not only are we suppressing the emotion, we're embedding in our cells, especially in our intestines, our emotional center, you know, that energy that is being trapped in that food that was just literally also, that is also trapping that emotion. And, you know, once that's trapped inside us, it can get activated at any time, you know, on command just by getting even just a little bit of a nudge. And so for me, it was at the point I was like, wow. Because I've been reading about this for like, because this is like 2007. I've been reading about this for three or four years at this point. But this is the first experience at that level. And it was at that point I was like, wow, I got the work to do. And so I literally, I was cleansing, you know, two, three, at least once to twice a year. Cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. I had at least a dozen or more of experiences just like this. And so now I'm very conscious of the emotional state that I'm in when I eat food. I'm very conscious of the foods that I eat. I still eat from time to time. Like right now I'm I'm trying to get shred right now. So right now I'm trying to get shred. So I'm not really eating any crap food. But when I do eat crap food, I'm very conscious of the emotional state that I'm eating, that I'm in when I'm eating crap food, because it's only going to trap that, emo- that that emotion, you know, that little bit deeper inside me as well. It's interesting. I often um, <clears throat> I often tell people when they talk about food, the emotional responses with food. Um, I always say to them, you know, you need to ask yourself when you put food in your mouth, you know, is is this food nourishing my body and is it moving me closer towards my desired outcome? Mm. Um, you know. People don't think as food as fuel often enough, do they? You know, it just be, well, does become, become this a recreational substance. It is, yeah. You know, and I, I am the first because I'm the ultimate addict, right? Because I sit there and I can, I can eat if if I eat a, something that's good, like I literally look like I'm, I'm about to have an orgasm. Yeah. Like <laughs> I do, and people get embarrassed eating yeah. with me sometimes because I'm just so expressive. Yeah. But that's that releases endorphins, dopamine. Ooh, that's a, it's a biochemical, yeah. you know, cascade of emotions, and so I think food, like you say, it's lost its purpose, which yeah. is for nutrition and yeah. fuel. And it's become this recreational event um, that people look to and turn to either recreational to go, well, I want to feel better or recreational because I just want to feel good because I don't feel as good as what I think I can. Yeah. So your message is though, feel good first, yeah? Get, feel good get, first. Get, get good now, Mate, worry about food later. Nothing tastes as good as abs feel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 100%. You know, and honestly, the better you feel... And it's not that we can't eat crap food. Like yesterday, I, like I was, I was having a tough day yesterday. I trained at Bondi with Sebastian yesterday and I was having... Like I've been on the road the whole week, you know, I've, been, I've had no, I, I was exhausted and I turned up to the training session. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pull through this. And I ended up ripping out one of the most 
epic training sessions I've ever done in my entire life. And at the end of it, I was like, you know what? Jim, I'm glad I came here. Not only am I glad I came, but you deserve a little treat. And I went and had three scoops of Messina. Ah, really? And so for me, I actually needed that cycle because I've been like trying to, I've been eating so clean for the last four, five, maybe six weeks now. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm like, I was like, I just need a little psychological treat. And so for me, you know, it's, I think it's important that we do give ourselves little treats from time to time, but it's got to be done in measure because there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine, but if you need to have two glasses or three glasses or four glasses of wine every night... You, you might need have, to look at why. You might need to look at why, yeah. you know? Let's talk about that little uh, that little room down the back there, you know, past the kitchen, the, the calisthenics room. Um, it's become a big part of your life now. Yeah, um, massive. Let's talk transformation because anyone who has seen you uh, recently in events, you have transformed. Massively. There's no two way about it. Yep. Um, you've always been big on blood work and you and I have done a lot of stuff on blood work and epigenetic yep. tests and these sorts of things. I know health interests you. But all of a sudden, now's become the time. It's like, right, I'm going to pull me shit in. You haven't had grog now for over three months. Why now, Kerwin? What's happened now? Why is now important? Look, I think it's, it's a range of factors. Um, like the health really, and a lot of people don't realize that my health started to change four years ago when Noah was born, four and a quarter years ago. That was when the first shift started to take place. And I had a couple of false starts because I've had chronic injuries uh, for the last forever, basically. And, you know, I, was, I would start to train and then I'd get injured. And I'd start to train and then I'd get injured. And then it was two and a half years ago, I was like, okay, this is just doing my head in. I started the intermittent fasting. Yeah. And I thought, well, look, at least then, because my excuse was always, well, I'm getting fat again because I'm not training. And I was like, well, you're also getting fat again because you're putting shit in your mouth. Um, and so two and a half years ago, I started the remaining fasting schedule. And what was interesting is my chronic injuries started to heal up super fast as well. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I'd gotten so fat over the years. Um, and, you know, I'd reached a certain age and, you know, where I'd developed a whole body that i just didn't grow up with you know i, I had breast tissue you know i'd got so <laughs> fat i had breast tissue you know i wish you would have told me then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know and, and, and this is interesting because i actually haven't shared this publicly with many people but um you know i had um you know m uh, quite a significant amount of breast tissue that had developed as a result of me becoming i won't say grossly overweight but becoming so overweight that and that i just developed these boobs that once i lost weight they were still there yeah and, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was traumatized a little bit by that because, you know, even as I was intermittent fasting uh, up until last year, I would get lean, but then I'd look at myself in the mirror and I'd see these little itty bitty titty committees and mm. I'd look back at me and I was going, no matter how lean I get, I still see tits. And I don't mean that to be rude or degrading towards, towards no, no, the female not. body. No, of course not. It is what it is. But, um, and it, would, it just messed with my head. And so in July last year, I had a double mastectomy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't tell too many people. <laughs> You're hearing this first on the Travelling Wellness Show. Well, but, you know, and I think because, and this is the funny thing, I had actually... So that was a gyno issue though, right? It was right? a gyno issue, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it wasn't steroid related. I yep. was fat. Yeah. I was fat. And, um, you know, but I think what, the reason I share this is because... I had originally gone to see uh, a doctor to get them removed um, maybe six years ago. And I came back from the doctor and, you know, my wife at the time said to me, you know, so you're going to do it? And I was like, you know what? I could do it, but I don't need to. I'm happy. But I wasn't right into the training. I wasn't right into the health. I was like, you know what? If I'm doing it, I'm just doing it to be superficial and I don't really need it. I'm happy. I'm fat. I'm happy. I'm fappy. Mm. Um, and so... Anyway, fast forward six years and I'm trying to get myself back into shape and I just had this conflict where every time I looked in the mirror, I, that's all I could focus, all I could see was these tits and I was just like, this is just not working for me. So I went and I had the job done. I went and had the surgery done and it was interesting because literally, I'm not kidding, I got out of the surgery, five days later, I had to take the harness off, I took the harness off and I looked in the mirror and my brain just went, 
that's what you used to look like. Mm. And I was at that point, I'm not kidding. I didn't even do anything from that point. Weight started just falling off me. Wow. The psychological shift in what I saw in the mirror was so profound Mm. that literally my body started transforming on its own. Like it literally got its own consciousness back. Because when I started to look in the mirror, and, you know, I, 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 that that emphasis wasn't there, you know, because before, no matter how my how lean you got, you're still looking. I still at saw them. the tits. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it reminds me of the book, one of the first personal development books that I read, called Psycho Cybernetics. I don't know if you read the book, Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was a plastic. That's a cracking book. Cracking book. Old it's school. Old school. Old mm. school. He's a plastic surgeon. That's right. And he started to investigate the uh, the profound psychological transformations That's that right. would take place. So he'd have women who'd, who'd have like, you know, like massive noses, for instance, yep. who just felt dreadful and couldn't look sideways in a mirror, yep. who would then have the surgery and after the surgery would have a complete personality change. A, like 100% a, a, turnaround. A 180 yep. degree turning around in personality yep. and confidence. Completely and, confident. And so yeah. he was like, what is it about this? What is happening to the psychology? So he wrote this book, Psycho-Cybernetics. Get yourself a whole... Uh, yeah, Psycho-Cybernetics. Yeah. yeah. What a and, cracking book. That's a and, good read. And so I experienced Psycho-Cybernetics firsthand. I had the operation. I came out and then all of a sudden I had this invigoration to eat better yeah. than I already was. This invigoration to train harder than yeah. I already was. And for me, I, I just haven't looked back. I really haven't looked back. And, um, you know, that's why for some people, I actually think, you know, surgery is actually the right thing mm. depending on, you know, what it is and what you want to do and everything else. Um, well, it's it, like gastric sleeving is very similar for people who are morbidly obese. Yeah. Um, I've seen phenomenal effects from, from gastric sleeving. Yeah. Uh, most people will learn, lose somewhere between 30 and 100 kilos depending on the individual. And there's plenty of evidence out there. This has nothing to do with a personality trait, but plenty of evidence out there that it actually helps to... Um, self-correct many of the uh, chronic complications uh, I'm talking like blood work was with obesity yeah right um, just by having that massive drop straight yeah. away of, of weight you know and then of course this person starts to think well hang on like put it this way no one likes to train all right and eat well and be on the 1200 calorie diet and not get results exactly. right can you blame that person for self-sabotaging and you can and you, you know what you can talk fucking the psychological babble all day long about oh you shouldn't self-sabotage but you know i think it's just human nature and all of a sudden you're right when you start to get a change like that surgery sometimes is the best position honestly and and for me it was profound absolutely profound mm. uh and the only thing i was like fuck why did it take me seven years to do that <laughs> but i'm glad i got there it happened at the right time for the right reason to do exactly what it was meant to yeah um and, and so, so that's been a significant sort of aspect now with why we're eating well why we've got a calisthenics it's played, gym a, in the back it's played a big role but yeah. last year was i called last year the year of the body but i should have called it the year of rehabilitation because i had you know, i had a surgery on i had surgery on my knuckle i had surgery on my wrist i had surgery on on, uh, on my itty bitty titties um, and then I spent like 12 months exercising with rubber fucking bands yeah. because I was so sick to death of going to the gym. And then six weeks later, I'm out with a shoulder injury. I'm out with a wrist injury. I'm out with a, yep. you, know, a you know, an ankle or a knee or a f- hip fucking injury. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do 12 months of rubber bands. Hmm. And it used to drive me bananas because I'd be doing these rubber bands. I'd be going, oh, you're right. Go to the gym. And I'd be like, no, just strengthen up. Strength, get the core, get the core, get the core. And then it was in, um, I think it was only about like eight weeks ago. I was, I was doing rubber bands and then I was uh, maybe 10 weeks ago I was up until I was doing rubber bands I put a shout out I was I'm looking for a calisthenics coach yeah I uh, found Sebastian Kilic uh, Sebastian Kilic who's just a killer um, and then I just started training on bars and now that I'm doing body weight I'm now doing mobility I'm now doing strength yeah. oh mate yep. 
fucking, you can have your barbells. Yeah. You can have your, mate, just give me a couple of bars yep. and my body weight and I am, I'm, I'm happy, There's mate. no substitute for mobility. No. It just isn't. Nothing, nothing, no, yeah, no, nothing comes close. And so now I'm completely converted and, you know, actually this will be, uh, this will be breaking news for you as well because I was like, oh, fuck, I need to have a goal. Uh, and so I set the goal on uh, like Wednesday last week that um, I'm 43, but I want to compete on Australian Ninja Warrior before 45. I don't want to win it. Fair dinkum. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, made nice. the, I've, made the, I've made the decision. Good, because Sebastian, your coach, has been on the show, He's of course. He's been on the show. You yeah. know, he, uh, he did uh, very well in the last season that's just about to go to air. Um, and I was like, I need a goal. I need something to aspire to. I'm a competitor. Yeah. You know, I'm, a comp- I'm an animal. And so for me, I need to be, you know, I'm competing with myself constantly. But I need I need something to, to, to work towards, you know. And so for me, yeah. I'm the next do. goal. Next goal. K2 is grow I'm, now. You've got your business goals well and truly I want to make place. this clear. I'm not trying to win it. Uh, I just want to... Because just the qualification... Like I don't know if you've seen what's involved in the qualification. Like just, yeah, just to be able to qualify to be able to even get in the preliminaries. You've got to I've be got a, friends involved that do the testings on the show. Oh, they're, yeah, they're it's bastards. Nasty. Yeah. They're animals. Like the, the punishment they put people through. So for me, yeah, I, I just, I want to be mobile. I want to be fit. I want to be fight fit. I want to be strong. Um, it's just about start getting back into uh, my fight training again and yeah, keep it, keep it easy. I love it. I, I put a thing out on uh, Facebook this morning. Uh, I, you've probably seen it, um, but I put a thing out saying, "Hey guys, I'm going to interview <laughs> Kerwin today." <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just because you know. So if you've got any questions, uh, throw them out there. And I'm just going to be sentimental for a tick here, oh, Kerwin, geez. before we get on to uh, on to a couple of the comments. But um, one of the people on there is a good buddy of mine, Brad Talbot, who's a, uh, a PT up on the Central Coast, and uh, he said something on there, uh, which I've had about four or five other personal messages from people about too. And, and I want to tell you this because I found it very humbling uh, and I'm sure you will as well. But uh, what Brad said and what was um, evident from the other product messages that I got was, um, I don't want to ask Kerwin anything, but I want you to tell him that I said thank you. Um, these are strangers to you. you know, I, I want you to tell him that his videos and um, some of the learnings that I've seen, this is free stuff, by the way, they're not K2 members. Mm. So I want you to tell him that these things have come at times of my life that have been pivotal and difficult and uh, the advice and the words of wisdom um, have been significant and allowing me to move forward. So good on you, brother. That's a, that's a big one. Thank you. Yeah, you've been pivotal in the, in the, the change of Thank you. hundreds of thousands of people, no doubt, if not more. So well, that's, that's millions now. Like we've reached over f- uh, just in terms of videos. Yeah, but I, but I said helping hundreds and thousands. <laughs> oh, no, we've helped millions now. Like, it really is. I know. This is. I'm trying to stay humble as I say this. Yeah, yeah, go, go. But, uh, but no, we, we receive you know, we messages receive, all the time. Oh, every day. How does that make you feel? Mate, you know what? It never gets old. Because you, you're just the kid with ADD, the kid with, you know, the Mate, ADHD, couldn't dyslexia, write. fucking failed everything, you know, yep. d- disabled, three brain injuries. So what's that tell you? How does uh, it make you feel? Look, uh, this is going to sound really weird, but I don't feel a lot. I feel enormous gratitude. Yeah. And to me, gratitude is quite a neutral emotion. Like I don't... Yeah, it's, it's a not, humble feeling. It's a humble feeling. Yes. Because I don't, I don't count my chickens and I count my blessings every day. And for, like, for me to be able to, you know, I get you know a couple of, sometimes a couple hundred of those messages on facebook um a day and yeah i just don't take what that opportunity for granted i really don't and i'm brad thanks mate that means the world so tell me wh- where does the inspiration for the videos come from see one on anxiety does that mean you've had a bad week that week or is, is me it? no it just comes out like i, I just i just share my experience like yep. i always come oh and you know it's so funny because I, I, this is what I hear. First of all, it's only thing, Kern. Uh, I'm, I'm just sending the message to say thank you, yeah, uh, because your video just happened to pop up at my feed at the most appropriate time. Um, 
And I believe there's a level of serendipity to that. Yeah. But also believe that there's a level of uh, technology available through Facebook. <laughs> knowing, That's right. Knowing a hell of a lot about what's going on in your life at that time to be able to show you the right content and the right information. Uh, but I just, you know, I just share what's worked for me. You yeah. Know, I'm very practical. Um, in that, can you share a couple of things uh, or give a little bit of just personal advice that you would give to some of our listeners who in their own life right now might be a bit down and out, mis, you know, misdirected, um, you know, in an unhappy relationship, unhappy job, etc. What advice would you recommend to these people? Like the real entry level stuff, you know, to start to allow and augment change. Look, I, I think when anyone's ever lost, I think, uh, first of all, we've got to start looking looking at being lost as being a bad thing. Yeah. I think being lost is an incredible opportunity, you know, because when we're lost, we search. And I think, you know, it's when things, are, you know, personal development is so easy when life's going great. Yeah. You know, when the blue skies, <laughs> 28 degrees. Ain't that the truth. Uh, you know. Um, everyone's a guru. Everyone's a guru. But it's not until the shit hits the fan that you really question everything you know you and it's context based you know yeah who shit, am i where am i going shit hits yeah. fan the relationship well is this the relationship you want to be in you know what yeah. is it that i want in a relationship is this the person i want to be in as a in a relationship yeah um so i think you know any kind of challenge is i think is fundamentally very important and it is required to develop strength and resilience to be great at anything and if you want to have a good relationship you put it this way if you want to have a great relationship then you've got to get good at relationships and if you want to get good at relationships then you've got to build strength yes you know there is an enormous amount of strength required to be a great partner there's an enormous amount of strength that's required to be a great parent uh there's an enormous amount of strength required to be a great person um because in order to be great we have to be you know we have to go through the trials we have to go through the tribulations we have to build strength you know because i find it strange that people go to the gym uh they go oh well, i'm going to the gym because i want to get fit and then they start lifting bum I go, oh fuck this hurts nah screw that i'm out of here yeah. you know i just want i just want the, the 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 right you know and that's i think the approach that a lot of people take to to life they go well i just want the life without the work and it's like no i don't wish you le- i don't wish you less problems i wish you the abundance of resources yeah to be able to deal with that you know i wish if anything i wish you more problems in the right areas to challenge you you know, based on the things that you need. Because I think regardless of where you are and where you want to be, there's always going to be a gap. And that gap is fundamentally held apart by skills, knowledge and experience. And the only way we gain skills, knowledge and experience is by finding where we're weak, is by tripping over things, by making mistakes. Um, So look, if there's one thing, a piece of advice that is very practical is to always see the balance and to see the other side because when things are going wrong we tend to focus on the thing that's making the most noise or creating the most you know the most inertial energy or yeah the irritation the irritation you know whereas you've you've got to see the other side like for me you know i i could have so gone well i'm adhd it's fucked you know how am i supposed to learn yeah. well adhd also means that i have an enormous amount of energy it also means that i have you know the ability to focus on multiple things and in, in some cases in you know in very short periods of time yeah. it also means that i have a hypersensitivity to boredom which means in order for me to be able to express my potential and my talents and the things that are you know going to get me somewhere i need to find something i'm really good at so adhd was actually a really critical ingredient in me searching for purpose because i, I hate being bored and i'm hypersensitive to boredom mm. no one likes being bored although it is good for the creativity side of us so it pushed me into the direction that i'm in going in right now you know addiction people go, oh my god it's terrible that you're afflicted with addiction are you kidding me addiction is one of the most <laughs> resourceful states that you could have <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you make it happen. <laughs> you do because, like, when, and again, as I said, I've flirted with addiction a number of times since I was nineteen. But I caught, like when I was nineteen, I was a proper addict. I was addicted to amphetamines, and um, you know, when you're addicted to amphetamines, and my best mate, we we're both addicted to amphetamines at the same time. We both got into it at the same time. I was in night work. I was bodybuilding. You know, I was calorie free. It helped me rip up. You know, it helped me stay awake for my. Yeah, my it's good for the bod, if nothing else, isn't it? 
for a short <laughs> period of time. Um, and, um, you know, I, I got myself right. You know, I, did, I was very lucky. I didn't have to go to rehab. I got myself right side with the help of, a, you know, some counseling and some therapy. Uh, but then as I, as I, you know, grew as a human being, you know, an addiction is something that stays with you. I started to realize that I had this ability to not only be obsessive about things, but I had this ability to do things when others couldn't. Like when I was trying to get high. When I was younger, I was 19 trying to get high and I'd shoot up at my mate's house and I'd go, mate, you got any gear? He goes, no, nah, mate, I ain't got any gear. I was like, why not? He goes, oh, I tried everyone. No one's got any. Everyone's dry. I was like, there's got to be someone. <laughs> someone's going to have some gear somewhere. There's a and resourcefulness. I'd, boom. And I'd get on the phones and I'd drive to people's houses and, you know, sure yeah. enough, by four o'clock that afternoon, you know, would be, would be hit, would be, uh, would be happy days. Yeah. Um, and I take that same psychology to business and people go, oh, you know, you know, prospecting oh you know ring 20 people no one's interested ring 20 people fucking ring it ring ring 400 yes you know i just have this obsessive ability to be able to focus on things that will drive me closer towards the things that i want you know that meet my needs you know and people might say well you know well, are you a workaholic and i say well maybe maybe on some level i am but i think i'm more obsessed and addicted to fulfilling my purpose than i am addicted to work yeah you know because you know come fight like because like unless i've got an event on the weekend unless i'm doing something the weekend like i i am really fun like with my boundaries i'm fundamentally strong i don't i don't sit there going oh i gotta work if anything the only thing i'm addicted to right now um that causes me some drama is my phone yes you know, my phone is a little bit of a i think uh, everyone can uh yeah, yeah feel that um but outside of that you know it's it's an incredibly resourceful state mm. so i think you know wherever you are in your life right now look at the challenge okay it'll be easier to see what the challenge is but ask yourself the question what is the benefit of this mm. you know how is this serving me what skills knowledge and experience am i gaining as a result of this challenge i didn't have yesterday that will make me better tomorrow yeah that'll make me better faster fitter sharper stronger you know because it's there you just got to dig. And as I said, most people just don't want to dig because they're fucking lazy. And, and that's the point. Like you said before, oh, you know, it's, it's really easy because you're at this point where you can now search. And I think that's fundamentally the problem oh. for a lot of people, that there is no search. People don't ask enough of the right questions. Uh, and we sort of get so used to sitting in our own decay yeah. and we get so used to it, get so irritated, so downtrodden by it that we kind of accept it. Um, and I guess it's actually barking against that isn't it you know what i mean arcing it, up and saying no i don't accept this current state of dysfunction i, I don't want it search is a beautiful thing because people go oh i have I'm, I'm i'm trying to find my purpose what is it and i say well look for it and they go, yeah well i am expose so, yourself to things well, do things go to the buffet of life and just sample 48 different things before yeah. you you know the ben and jerry's are per you know purpose is like going to ben and jerry's trying to find the flavor that you like that's right you got to go through 59 sometimes 169 different flavors and a couple of shitty ones that you know you wish you didn't try exactly rum and raisin who the fuck eats rum and raisin <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think purpose, finding purpose, purpose is often revealed because, you know, again, people go, oh, well, I want to be fulfilled. And, and, and again, a lot of people aren't fulfilled because they're not on purpose or they're, or they're having an identity crisis. Yeah. And what I think a lot of people got to realize, and this is quite practical, is purpose is revealed. In most cases, purpose is, re is revealed in the pursuit of something in the pursuit of purpose it doesn't just go you know, no one is in, no one deserves to have their purposes handed to them although no, some course. people just wake up with it yeah um you know but i think fundamentally purpose is revealed in the pursuit where there is resilient where there is challenge where there is resilient where, where all those things are required but i also think you know just as a flip side this is coming to me as something that i think we should share is um you know sometimes people get to that stage in their life where they feel lost because they don't know who they are anymore who am i yeah and i think you only ever reach a stage in life of having the identity crisis if you spend most of your life being something that you're not yes um and i think you know it's it's quite prevalent in society i think it's becoming increasingly prevalent with um 
with uh, social media and the exposure that we all have to social media. People spend so long being something that they're not, but when the thing is that they're pretending to being is no longer there, like a parent or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, they go, well, well, who am I? Because that thing that I've thought I was being for the last 10 or 20 years isn't there anymore, then how do I define myself? Yeah. And I think that in itself is a great opportunity to search and define, but I don't think, and this is a hypothesis at this point, you know, I don't ever think at this point that could ever possibly happen if you never get never forget who you were in the first place of course yeah and, and you're right getting uncomfortable is really the place where we start to learn mm. and uh as you said beforehand when we're, when we're in a sort of an ebb and flow of balance and everything feels good it's it's, it's very easy to kind of be the master of everything yeah, and at that is point critical life yeah. is you know strength find Crit- the opportunity find the discomfort yeah yeah that's my motto i love going where things are uncomfortable i get i am one of these people that i thrive in awkward environments now i mm. thrive in discomfort can you take people through an average day's um, food intake for you now? You're going to hate me for this. Um, I'm trying to do 1,800 calories as you put me on. And I'm yeah. just, I'll tell you, I'm fucking struggling with it. Yep. Um, but my food intake normally starts about 1 or 2 o'clock, yep. which normally starts with about um, 300 grams of chicken, yep. uh, followed by about 200, 250 grams of sweet potato, mm-hmm. um, about 30 to 40 grams of goat cheese. Yep. A nice little bit of fat in there. Um, and then probably I would say about 60 to 80 grams of quinoa and then it's probably about 100 grams of baby spinach. That's in one meal and four eggs. Yeah, nice. Uh, Four poached eggs. And then um, about an hour and a half later, I have a a shake which consists of four scoops of the um, Bulletproof Collagen. Yep. Three scoops of the New Zest. Yep. Clean protein, the pea protein. Yep. I actually put in like the brownie collagen bar from... Uh, what do you call it from uh, from bulletproof because it gives it a nice little bit of sweet flavor uh five mils of mct oil three teaspoons of bcaa's three teaspoons of creatine monohydrate teaspoon of lsa teaspoon of uh slippery elm teaspoon of uh flaxseed ground up and what else we got in there i know there's something else how good are shakes? Oh, I love shakes. Seriously, you start talking about like oh. a recipe like that, there's no other way to get that into you outside of a shake. Mate, I could almost put 1,000 <laughs> calories in me. That's right. Like in Just in a shake. Yeah. You know, and when you think about it, how much you've got to eat to put 1,000 calories in you, it's a lot of food. It is. Um, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much it. Oh, some. I've actually got this other stuff. Vitasol. Have you heard of Vitasol? Vitasol, no. Yeah, micronutrients. Um, Fiona Tuck, we had Fiona Tuck in here. She gave me some samples of hers, and I'm absolutely in love with them right now. So I put in some micronutrients that go on the side. I hope there's some cell charge in there somewhere. Oh, cell charge every morning. <laughs> Morning. That's that's my morning routine, mate. You should see my fucking morning. That's my morning routine. This is my this is my food intake. Um, so yeah, some some of that, uh, and 500 mils of uh, of almond milk, almond almond milk. sweetened, organic, yeah. activated. Yeah. Blend that up. I smash that. Normally, then about half an hour later, I'll have four rice cakes with a tiny smithering of peanut butter on them. Yeah. And then for dinner, I'm normally having like a you know a 200, 250, 300 gram piece of either salmon, chicken, uh, a whole tub of uh, baby salad leaves mm-hmm. with again some sweet potato baked on the on the um, on the barbecue, a um, little bit of olive oil, a little bit of balsamic vinegar, and some salt and pepper. It's a garlic. good example of a reasonably high carbohydrate um, percentage for for your you know total day. Um, 
thrown into an intermittent fasting regime where you're still leaning out, not having to drop your carbs too low. No. Which is good. But I think I might need to, like, I wanted to speak to you about that actually because I'm leaning, especially since I've removed sugar. Yeah. And especially because I, I actually thought I was eating like 2,200, 1,800 calories a day. And then I started counting my calories and I was eating like 3,300 calories a day. Yeah. And so then I cut it back to, like, I was trying to hit, eight, I don't think I've hit 1,800 calories once. Yeah. But I'm sitting around the 22, 2,300 and I'm leaning up consistently. Perfect. My body composition has changed dramatically, but I'm like, I'm wondering if I can tune in a little bit more. So I'm looking at my fat content. Like I'll, I can even tell you right now, we can have a bit, little bit of a look. Um, Cause my, I think my fat content's probably a little bit high. Um, I'd say nothing's high. If you're feeling good, if your energy's good, if your recovery's good, if you're leaning out, I'd do nothing. Okay. Last thing you want to do is change anything in that, uh, that circumstance. Okay. Because I'm, like I'm almost 50 grams over carbs, yep. 40 grams over fat. The problem for most people is actually getting enough calories yeah, right. on an intermittent fast like yours. They struggle to get that many calories yeah, into right. only two or three meals. You're the other way around, which is, which, <laughs> which is good for you. So it's a good thing. That's fantastic. Right, Absolutely. Fantastic. And the proof's yeah. in the pudding, mate. You know, yeah. like food's there as a, as, a, as a fuel substrate for you. Yeah. So if, you, if you're feeling good and you're functional and your body's oh. changing the way you want it to, yeah. you never, ever, ever cut calories just because, you know, I've told you so. Yeah, right. It'll always come down to, you know, your metabolic requirements based upon what your body's showing you. I just want to cut a bit faster. And I'm not sure if it's the fat or the carbs, but I do, I do like carbs. <laughs> they do. Yeah, you're still using ketones? Uh, only before events, okay. only before I speak. So um, for you know, use it for more for brain cognition. Brain yep. cognition before I'm speaking. I'm, yep. Should I maybe bring that back into the mix again? Well, it's up to you. Would that help me lean up a bit? You think? Morning shot of ketones. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, possibly, but yeah, also possibly not. So uh, we'll we'll do that off uh, off the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't turn this consult. into a consult. Exactly <laughs> right. Cheeky bugger trying to pull a freebie <laughs> out of me. But uh, no, it's good. Look, mate, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we need to finish with a, a couple of questions. Everyone on Facebook's just been pumped. Just, oh, thanks. That's awesome. Can't wait to yeah. hear the podcast. So I know that... Uh, I'll answer one of those questions. It's a fucking shark, not a dolphin, yeah. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, Rachel Guy is a, a good mutual uh, friend of ours, a very close friend of ours. We just had a bub too. Congrats. Congrats, uh, Rachel. Congrats to you guys. Um, Rachel's said to ask about uh, Kerwin's dolphin tattoo so it's not a dolphin which means she I hasn't seen it so it's good shark on my I have a shark on my ankle that is a little bit dodgy and it looks like a dolphin or yeah. a whale everyone goes oh nice whale nice dolphin <laughs> it's a fucking shark <laughs> do I look like the kind of guy that would have a dolphin on is my is it ankle? a barley job is it uh, no, it was a Gold Coast job. It was young. It scabbed badly. It's yeah, I'm trying to get it removed now. Yeah, yeah. So there's no real story behind it. It's just a shit tattoo. Just she a wanted shit to embarrass tattoo. you. Yeah. I was doing shark dives. I was doing a lot of open water shark dives. Shark dives at the time. I thought I was I, thought I was bulletproof and thought I'd get a shark on my leg. Yeah, nice. Uh, Lisa Pentagast says, "Stop being a cock." I don't know what that's about, but yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that know, sounds like those, a personal those, joke. Those, those, of a, those of a feather flock together. She does flock with a lot of cocks. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we've uh, we've loved having you on the show. It's been really good. Thank you once again for just so uh, how open and honest you are. Mate, real pleasure. Uh, the uh, the information's awesome. And uh, guys, if you haven't seen Kerwin, get to one of his events. W where can people see one of your events? I know you've just come off the Fast Growth Summit now. Yeah, look, best place to find me is KerwinRay.com. KerwinRay.com, yeah. Uh, Obviously, Instagram, social media, uh, Facebook, you know, YouTube. Yeah, LinkedIn. Where yeah. he's everywhere, guys. I'm so everywhere. Uh, if you haven't got a bit of Kerwin in your life, please do so. Look him up, follow all his pages, but get to an event because you know there's there's no um, substitute for the nah. exuberance that comes off stage. The live events are transformation. And, and, and what I like to say, mate, is I love the fact because when I when I do um, public lectures and things, I'm exactly the same. It's, there's I never prepare. I don't have things scripted. I have slides sometimes for the sake of the audience, so they've got a takeaway. But yeah. for me, it's very much about. 
the flow. It's about you know, letting that universe come through you, say what you need to, being very connected mm. to the plight of people and what they require at that time. Um, it's nice hearing someone who's augmenting people's business and their lives through a similar way. So good for you, mate. Uh, Thanks, hats mate. off to your brother. And I hope you guys love this show with Kerwin Ray. Um, Can I just say one thing before yeah, sure, we wrap mate, it up? Yeah, sure, mate. Go I just want to say how inspirational you have been. Like, I don't want to look, take this as uh, we're pissing each oh, other's pockets. Take your time, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to Honestly, sit back and get no, a cup no, of tea. Seriously, the way you have, you know, grabbed life by the balls and uh, the way you, you know, jumped, took the whole family on the road with the, the, the caravan and, and even created the podcast. Like, you know, you've inspired so many people. You know, we've got one of our guys now who's, you know, who's off, who's doing, it, off Sean. doing it, Sean. He's doing it himself. Um, but it really has made me think and it's really challenged my my perspective in so many ways to really, you know, although that m- might be for me at some point right now, it's not, but it yeah. has made me look at some <coughs> fundamentals because yep. I know you, you know, there was some, cer- there was some, s- some key re- reasons behind why you did this. And yep. um, I'm just so inspired by the journey, mate. And so keep it coming, keep it going. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, fine. It's, p- it's personal. Um, and let me know if it's an awkward one for you, but I, I only ask you because you told me nothing's off limits. Yeah, go. But I remember you, you called me up probably six months ago and uh, we were talking and you said, oh, mate, you've been on my mind lately, whatever. You and I have had this a little bit in the past. <laughs> I think you, you think of me type scenario. But you said to me something that was quite pertinent. Um, and I just would like, I guess, uh, just a, a truthful response to it, just to see where you yeah, sit right please. now. You said to me at the time um, that um, you'd been deep diving a little bit in your own life. Um, you know, it's, it's no surprise to people that you're going through a divorce uh, at the current moment with uh, Noah's mother, uh, Kristen. It's no surprise, Jesus. Who's well, a, well, people know it's what I'm saying, oh, okay, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. No, not no surprise, <laughs> it was always doomed, no, but, but, but it's, a, it's public knowledge. I'm not yeah, uh, leaking no, no, information no. that's private, that's all I'm saying. But you said to me something that, uh, that, that stuck in my mind a little bit. You said to me, mate, you've been on my mind a bit lately. I've been thinking about what you've done. And I thought to myself that had I done what you'd done, mm. that... I probably wouldn't be in this situation and that, you know, possibly I could have saved my marriage or, or, or whatever it might be. Uh, th- that was interesting for me because that, that hit me quite hard because obviously whenever someone speaks to me, it kind of mirrors something in me that brings me something up yeah. that lets me realize that I'm doing the right thing or I'm not or whatever it might be. In that case, obviously, it was it was a, a nice thing to hear. But um, where's that for you now? Do you know? Like you talk about productivity, you talk about efficiency, you talk about planning and timing, everything. That was about nine months ago, I think. Eight, eight nine months. It was in the early stages. It was yep. when I was still very raw. Um, but look, I've, I've had some huge shifts since then and look it's not i don't think it's ever ideal when a relationship breaks down but i'm so grateful that i've got an incredible ex-wife in Kristen. like she's just such an incredible woman um but when i look and it's it's about asking those questions before when something bad happens what's the benefit of this how is this serving me right now what are the skills knowledge and experience that i'm gaining yeah that i didn't have before and now you know i'm almost 12 months on since the uh, since we broke up and it has been one of the most incredible experiences in my life you know, it's actually driven a lot of the turning in my my physical. Uh, I've become an, an inc- like I've ten xed my fathering capabilities by being a single father. Mm. Um, there has been so many incredible things that have come about as a result of myself and Kristen no longer being together. Yeah, you know, for her, I believe as well, yep. not just for me. Um, I, I I couldn't like if someone came to me right now and said I could wave a magic wand and take it all back and you'd be in the same relationship you were twelve months ago, I'd no give way. you every cent I've got and say please don't. Yeah. Um. Because you know Chris and I are, we're look we're still working on our friendship. We're be, you know we're becoming better friends every day. Um. You know I, she's an incredible woman, but the relationship I have with my son now, as a result of us not being together, 
um, it's so weird. You know, it's so counterintuitive. People go, how people would think that relationships would be get tougher. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just I like fucking things that are hard. Um, I think otherwise, mate. I think kids are always better growing up, uh, you know, in a loving environment and having two loving environments uh, than growing up in a loveless mate, environment. This kid is the most loved kid on the fucking planet. He really is. And his mum loves him more than anything. His dad loves him more than anything. And, you know, I just look at where I am in my stage of life right now, um, you know, because I think it's probably fair to say, you know, with someone who's got a history of addiction that uh, I've also got some experience with codependence on both sides. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, there is so much growth coming from being alone right now and being by myself. Like I was mm. joking to you before, right? No alcohol, no sugar, no sex. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a fucking monk. Yeah. Um, but there's an enormous amount of growth that comes from, you know, discipline, from, you know, from abstinence, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so right now, I, I wouldn't change anything for the world. Um, and, and who knows what the future holds? You know, I, I don't see myself as being someone who's going to be uh, a monk forever. <laughs> God help me. Um, I have to watch myself. Well, you know what? I'm going to let you walk out for first today. <laughs> I don't want you anywhere behind me. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm very blessed because you know, I'm surrounded by a team of beautiful people yeah. on the inside and the outside. So I have, I'm inspired by beauty. But, um, yeah, I just, I wouldn't change anything. And I'm really, I'm actually, you know, it's funny you should say this because it's literally only been in the last four days where I've gone, is it time to start manifesting, you know, the next relationship? Yeah. Um, because I literally, like, up until four days, I'm like, fuck, you know, there's no relationships. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then I, was, I asked myself the question, well, how much time and intention have you been putting into yeah. manifesting a relationship? I was like, well, fucking zero, less than zero. Yeah. All my time is my son, number one, and then the, then the business, my purpose, number two. So, um, look, who knows? But uh, all I know is right now I'm very happy. I'm very healthy. Um, and there's a lot of harmony around me. And so, you know, I'm just going to let it flow and see what Congrats. goes. Congrats. That's thanks, awesome. Thank, and thanks for finishing on that. I know it's a deep one. No, and, uh, anytime. Close to home. So, guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please feel free to share it. Jump on, support Kerwin. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Travelling Wellness Show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.